0: This week on the Dylan and Dylan show, the the out-of-the-box draft covers the best non-first-round picks in NFL draft history. Question and answer covers sports documentaries versus miniseries and are super team's dead in the NBA. This week in sports covers an update on the favorite teams of both Dylan Jesperson and Dylan Holt. And the guys pick the Grizzlies versus Seagulls, the Dodgers versus Tigers, and the Cardinals versus Diamondbacks. To the Dylan and Dylan Show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. Excited to get back into it for this Friday, April 29th edition of the show. Uh, DJ here, Dylan Jesperson, as always, joined by my man D.H. Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing, my man?
1: Doing fantastic. Uh, I got back from Cincinnati a few days ago. Went up there, got to see the Cardinals play at great American ballpark against the Cincinnati Reds. What a time that was. Um, in my life, I've been to a bajillion Cardinals games at Busch Stadium. Had never seen the St. Louis Cardinals win a game in person. I finally saw the Cardinals win in person. They won 5 to nothing at Great American Ballpark. Such a great experience. Going to games in person, it's just a different feeling. It's so much fun being there, just having a blast, watching the Cardinals kick butt, couldn't beat it. There's so much stuff going on in the world of sports. As all of you know, the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant specifically, my guy, went off in Game 5, broke the Internet with his dunk, then hit the game winner, 30 points. I'm going to talk about it all later. So much going on. The NBA playoffs have heated up even more. A lot of second round matchups are getting set. Um, And hey, as you're listening to this, the NFL draft happened last night. And as we all know, we're super happy with whatever happened with our teams. I know they knocked it out of the park. I'm full faith that everything went well. Yeah, excited for a really good show. How are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited to get in the show as well. Hope everyone enjoyed the first round of the draft. As Dylan said. You'll, if you're listening to this on Friday when it drops, you'll be a, it'll be after the first round of the draft. We are recording this pre-draft on Thursday so we can watch the draft tonight. So if we missed anything big and you were expecting a reaction from us, I'm sorry, but come back next week. We'll give you a nice... Good reaction to whatever happened if there's something big that we missed. But getting into this week, the first round of the NFL draft has come and gone, but that does not necessarily mean the best players in the draft are off of the board. We've seen plenty of great players come off the board past round one. And today those players are in the pool of draftable players for us this week. We draft the best non-first round players in NFL history. A wide list of great players in a lot of ways you can go for it. Uh Dylan, do you have a coin ready to go or you need me to get a coin?
1: Yeah, I got a coin. All right. You want Tails?
0: Tails never fails.
1: That's heads. Except for and, today. Um, it
0: failed. It failed. Um, I'm going to
1: go first
0: pick. Go first pick. All right. All you.
1: It's Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. It has to be Tom Brady. I, I wanted the first pick. I wanted it really bad. Um, that's the guy you think of. Like You could be doing an, just an NFL draft. And it's Tom Brady's the first pick. So not for sure it has to be Tom Brady. Obviously, 2000 draft, sixth round, pick 199 overall. And, of course, Tom Brady is now the GOAT. I mean, it's this is the biggest no brainer pick of all time. I was sitting here before and I was like, I got to get the first pick. I don't know what I have to do. Like, I, I was like, if I lose the coin toss, I'm like, I'm going to trade like three straight picks or something. I was like, I have to get the first pick. I mean, I could go over Tom Brady's numbers, but there's no point. Everybody listening knows Tom Brady's the GOAT. He's done it all. He's won a million Super Bowls. Um, like, you look at his pro football reference page 15 time pro bowler. I didn't realize that. It makes sense. Three time all pro, seven time Super Bowl champion. I mean, they might as well go and put him in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's he's already there. I had all the numbers, he, he's the GOAT. Tom Brady's my first pick. That was the easiest pick of all time. I had to go Tom Brady. I'll give it to you for your first two picks.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. You definitely wanted the first pick in this one because there's a, a definite number one. There's some great names. Don't get me wrong. Definitely some great names. My alternate list is deep, so I'm not too worried about it. But there is a clear favorite number one and it's tom brady so obviously love that pick uh with my first pick i'm going with a little bit of a technicality because this guy technically was drafted in the first round but did not play for that team i'm talking bo jackson bo jackson was drafted in 1986 by the tampa bay buccaneers tom brady's current team uh but did not want to play for them decided to go in the mlb route went to the royals uh the next year oakland burned a seventh round pick on him trying to get him out of the mlb and it worked and he went to go and play for oakland and There's not much you have to say about Bo Jackson other than he was one of the greatest running backs of all time. Probably the most gifted athlete of all time. I I think that's, that's quite a statement, but it's like one of the most generally agreed upon statements. I think he's one of the most God given ability guys that we've ever seen in terms of just pure athleticism. And if his hips wouldn't have given out on him, then he probably would have like so many different records in the NFL and the MLB because he was absolutely killing it in both. And he's very, I think, you know, obviously, Dion did what he did, but I think Bo Jackson will be remembered as a guy that did both and did both so well that he could have been a Hall of Famer in both. It, had he, you know, stayed healthy, it's just staying healthy is just such a tough thing if you're going to do that. And if Bo Jackson couldn't do it, I don't know if there's a human being alive that could do it. So, uh, Bo Jackson, a little bit of a technicality, but had to get him. Uh, with my second pick, uh, this pick, I really didn't know the specifics of this pick until. I was going over my research and had the chargers not given up on drew Brees, that this draft may have been the greatest draft of all time. I'm taking drew Brees because he was taken in the second round of the 2001 pick first pick of the second round, almost a first round draft pick, but, and and nowadays it was pick 32. He would have been the first round pick, but uh, the chargers had, had, they traded back uh, the, they traded back to number five, rather than drafting Mike Vick, they ended up getting LT at number five. And then with the first pick of the second round, drafted Drew Brees, a future Hall of Famer, a future record breaker quarterback. I mean, you don't have to say much about Drew Brees. We all know what he did with the Saints, uh, MVPs, uh, Super Bowls. Drew Brees is that guy. And had the Chargers not given up on him, gone the Phillip Rivers route like they did when he got hurt. I mean, you're talking about a draft where you got, maybe the best running back in modern era history and one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best in the modern era. I mean, he obviously goes up against some of the other greats, but in terms of second round picks, second round quarterbacks drafted, I mean, Drew Brees is right up there with all of those guys. So uh, happy to have it. And man, those, uh, I would be very upset if I was a Chargers fan, knowing that you had Drew Brees and LT and you just had to just stick with it. You just had to not give up on it. And, they, and that's what happened. So that that's tough. But two great picks, two great late-round picks, and I'll throw it to you for your next pick.
1: Yeah, I like those picks a lot. Um, and I'm very happy you didn't go with my next guy. I was worried you were going to. I still have him in my back pocket. I'm going all the way back to 1979. Third-round pick, overall pick, 82. Quarterback Joe Montana to the San Francisco 49ers. Tom Brady's inspiration, his favorite player. Little Tom growing up being a 49er fan, it was Joe Montana was the dude. Uh, Montana's a Hall of Famer, won a million Super Bowls with the 49ers, with the 49ers dynasty in the 80s. Eight time Pro Bowler, 273 career touchdowns, 40,000 career passing yards. Like Joe Montana was the dude before this plethora of great quarterback play that we've had in our lifetime where passing has become the premium in the league. And Joe Montana kind of – it was him and Dan Marino and those kind of guys that led the way for quarterbacks that we see now, which is really cool. So, yeah, I I didn't – I would have assumed Joe Montana was a first-round quarterback, like top-of-the-draft type guy. I was very surprised to find out he was a third-round pick. But, yeah, Joe Montana, third-round pick, uh, pick 82 in 1979. And then I didn't want to do this, but I'm going to stick with quarterbacks. I'm going to take three quarterbacks in my three – first three picks a little Brett Favre uh, 1991 draft second round pick three of the second round I mean it's Brett Favre that is like we obviously both watched Tom Brady growing up Brett Favre was the guy growing up too um, Hall of Famer now 11 time pro bowler 508 touchdown passes 71,000 passing yards did it all played for Green Bay Minnesota played for the Jets which I remember that, but, like, when I saw it, when I was looking at Brett Favre stuff, I was like, what, the Jets? What kind of Madden franchise simulation is that? Uh, but, yeah, Brett Favre, second-round pick. I, that's something that I knew off the top of my head, and I always think, like, that's wild. Brett Favre was a second-round pick. That just doesn't seem right. But he was, and it was to the Falcons of all places. So, that, Brett Favre. Um, and did you know, on his Pro Football, Pro Football Reference is my favorite website on God's Green Earth. They always had the players' nicknames. Like, in parentheses, he's the country gunslinger or Buckhead Brett. Did not know Brett Favre had those nicknames, and I always think that's fascinating, so I had to throw that in. But, yeah, Brett Favre and Joe Montana joined my quarterback trio with Tom Brady. I'll give it to you for your last two picks.
0: Yeah, I had both of those guys on my uh, alternates list. I I felt that, you know... There's a lot of quarterbacks that fit this list. And I think there's, there's even more that you could throw in there. I think you have to cut it off at some point. And I thought just one quarterback's fine. Let me go with some other guys, but definitely you could go quarterbacks for days. There's way more that you could get on that list. So, but obviously great picks can't, uh, can't argue with those for my last two picks, uh, starting off, uh, I'm going with a guy that's still around the NFL nowadays, still probably, uh, A lot of people know who this guy is. It's Michael Strahan from the New York Giants. 1993, round two, pick 40. And it sucks that kids nowadays probably just know him as a TV guy. Like, they just know him as the pre-show or the Good Morning America guy or whatever he does now. Uh, It's – he was maybe the first elite defensive player that, like, all of my friends – because he – I when we were growing up, we were probably around elementary school when Michael Strahan hit his prime. He was the first defensive player where it's like, okay, that's an elite defensive player. And he might be the best player in the league, regardless of position. Like he was that good when he was on the Giants. Uh, and I was just thinking about when I saw Michael Strahan was a second round pick because that was cool. And, you know, he's got all the sack records. He's, you know, he speaks for himself. But imagine if the edge rusher position was the way it was back when Michael Strahan played he would have been maybe the best player of all time. He would have some of the most ridiculous sack numbers. If he was playing that edge rusher position because he fits it so well. And he was playing like outside linebacker for the giants. So I think imagine just having him in an Aiden Hutchinson role or a Joey Bosa role, just downhill, trying to get to the quarterback. He would have, you have torn some of those quarterbacks up and the, Tom Brady might not have been the same dude had that position been the way it was the, because he would have been going up against Michael Strahan. Uh, that would have been amazing. I would I would have loved to see that. And I think Madden, if you can do that in Madden, get Michael Strahan, put him at edge rusher, and just see what he does. He would probably be insane. Yeah. Uh, and so moving on to my last pick, I got to dip into my alternates cause Tom Brady was obviously my first one written down, but I'll go with his partner in crime, Rob Gronkowski drafted 42nd overall, uh, possibly the greatest tight end of all time. I would say probably the greatest receiving tight end of all time. When you talk about just what he's been able to do and he was uh, second uh, second round pick so i mean when you talk about a dude that's done a lot in terms of accomplishments in terms of what he's done he fits that position more to more like a glove than any other position or any other player that's played the tight end position um and, and he's right there with the, with tom brady with all those playoff accolades so uh i think rob gronkowski is a great way to round out my my four so uh throw it to you for your last last pick
1: So my last pick, I like that pick a lot. I like both those picks a lot. Um, My last pick, I'm going with a Tennessee guy, but not a volunteer, a mock from the University of Tennessee Chattanooga. We want Terrell Owens, third-round pick to the 49ers back in uh, 1996. Of course, To is a Hall of Famer, six-time Pro Bowler, played for like half the teams in the league, um, had 15,000 career receiving yards, 153 career uh, touchdowns, 1,000 career receptions or more than a 1,000 career receptions. I'm not giving you the exact numbers. You can go look at them. It's a lot. It's enough for him to be a Hall of Famer. Um, T.O. was a guy, like, as a young football fan, your eyes always gravitated to T.O. It's like, this guy's awesome. You never knew what he was going to do. He was the, like, stereotypical diva wide receiver. And as a kid, and, like, most kids, like, they don't think, right? They don't think, like, oh, I want to see football players play the game of football. Hum- I want to see them be humble and, like, you, you act like you've been there. No, I want to see T.O. grab the popcorn and stand on the star, like, do, do cool stuff. T.O. has always been, like, an all-time favorite of mine. Absolutely love uh, and I had T.O. And I had to pick him here over uh, the guy I was uh, debating between us. He and Deacon Jones from 1961. Deacon is probably better all-time when it comes to football. I didn't get to watch Deacon Jones. I have many great memories of watching Terrell Owens on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays and whatever else day that you can play professional football. So yeah, I had to go to with my trio of quarterbacks, and I imagine someone will find a way to get him a ball on my team.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Jones, that didn't make your list.
1: Um. So the. <laughs> I have a few personal favorites that I was never going to pick, but I had to have them on here. Like Alvin Kamara was not a first-round pick. Alvin Kamara hasn't reached the level of some of these other guys. Tyler Bray is my favorite Tennessee volunteer of all time. And whenever I have a chance to talk about him, I'm going to talk about him. He was like a sixth-round pick to the Kansas City Chiefs. He's my favorite Tennessee player of all time. He's not very good. Didn't do a thing in the league. He played in that one Monday night game for Chicago a couple years ago and absolutely pooped the bed like just did not do well at all but i love tyler and i have to give him a shout out anytime i can um yeah I, I think that's that was i didn't have them written down i used all my picks except for deacon jones um because i i felt pretty confident i was like i was like i'm gonna go really out of the box i'm gonna take three quarterbacks i was like there's no way that he's gonna expect that so yeah i i had basically all my picks uh what about you
0: yeah, I have a few written down here still. Uh, I had to take Gronkowski. You took Favre, who was also on my list. Montana was also on my list. Brian Dawkins made my list. Uh, obviously, one of the best safeties of all time. Isaac Bruce. Derrick Henry was on my list. I'm surprised that Derrick Henry wasn't at least on your alternates. But uh, And then Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is a great pick uh, as well, just because of what he has become. But uh, moving on to the question and answer segment. Uh, DH, I'll throw it to you first uh, with your question.
1: I don't know how I forgot Derrick Henry. No clue. That completely just ran over my head. Um, My question, I had to find a way to get this on the show because I've been obsessed with winning time on HBO. It came out. It's on like episode eight or nine now. I've watched it since the first episode, and I'm absolutely obsessed. If you haven't seen it, it's a show. It's a mini series. however you want to phrase it, basically surrounding Magic Johnson's rookie year in L.A., and just the craziness of the start of the Lakers dynasty, the Showtime Lakers with Jerry Buss taking over as owner of the team, all the drama with the coaching staff, the players, Kareem, Magic, just all the moving parts. And then it kind of dives into the history with the rest of the league, and it's really, really neat. i been obsessed with it, and I had to find a way to talk about it, so I, I constructed this in my head. Uh, when we're talking about like old-time sports teams, like teams that we didn't really get to um, appreciate in t- like in our time, like – I'm talking like the Showtime Lakers or the Bulls of the '90s, where we saw The Last Dance. Would you rather experience that through like a docu series or a documentary, like The Last Dance was, which was awesome, or a mini series like Winning Time on HBO?
0: So this answer is going to be very opinionated. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this this question. Obviously, it's a it's a lot more of just what you prefer. Uh, and I, I think with me, it's a lot depending on what mood I'm in, do I really want to get the hardcore information? Well, then I'll sit down and watch a documentary, but if I want to be entertained, the mini series are obviously the way that you're going to go in that situation. And I think the general public is probably going to say, yeah, we want the mini series. We want the 10 episodes of stuff that's actually gripping. And maybe they take a few creative liberties with the storyline, but uh, we're still getting the general sense of what's going on. And it's got that entertainment factor, obviously uh, for me, One of the problems I have with miniseries, especially ones based on real life like this, is I find myself Googling. Like, I'll pause and Google stuff throughout the show. Like, did that actually happen? And a lot of times it didn't. Like, if you're Googling something because it's, like, ridiculous and you think it didn't happen, it probably didn't happen. They probably took a few creative liberties, which is again, fine when you're in that mood, when you're waiting, when you're looking for just the story of what happened and they take, you know, there's some things that facts can't fill in the blanks for, and you've got to have someone that's going to fill in the blanks for those types, for a story to be told in that way. So uh, I, I think just for me, a lot of times I end up bogging down the 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 experience of it because I'm doing all that Googling. I'm trying to figure out, like, did this actually happen? Did this not and for people like us, like we're, we're trained journalists, we kind of have been told to stick to the facts. Uh, it can get kind of like bogged down in my mind where it's like, OK, that didn't really actually happen, but it was based on something that happened. And it could have technically happened because that's not like a we don't know what happened in those situations. A lot of times when like GMs are meeting with players and you kind of have to fill in what that conversation was like. Uh, yeah, you know, it didn't actually happen, but we can't say that it didn't not happen like we don't know what happened so if someone's got to fill in those gaps i think it, it all comes down to what you're you're looking for are you looking to really get the nitty-gritty facts and, and find something and there's plenty there's countless of documentaries that hit that nail on the head i think the bad boys is a great uh uh great example of like just a sit down you watch one documentary you get basically the the good facts of what happened you get the storylines and you know it's not too in depth but it's it you know you get what you're you're looking for where you know if i'm sitting down i i want i have time to kill you know maybe i'm on a road trip or something like that and i want to just you know get filled in by this but also you know be entertained throughout the entirety of it then those mini series definitely hit the nail on the head i have not been able to sit down and watch winning time yet but i definitely am going to uh what within the next couple of days, I'm, I'm going to sit down and then watch whatever's already been put out. Uh, cause I, 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 think the good thing is, is like, you're picking between two great things. Like these are two of my like favorite types of content is like a mini series or a documentary. There's pros and cons to both of them, but they're like my favorite types of content, sports content where people put a lot of effort and a lot of time in to tell the story the right way you really can't go wrong. It's really splitting hairs at that point, but I'll throw it to you. I know you've been a really big fan of this uh, series so far.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love it. And I, I think they've done a phenomenal job. And I think that's kind of uh, solidified by the reaction of the people that are being portrayed in the show. Like Jerry West is furious. I mean, absolutely furious. And if you've seen winning time, you know, they're painting Jerry West as Jerry West as how people describe him. And Jerry West was not a pleasant person back then, like right after he retired. And I mean, they put it all out there. I mean, it's an HBO show. You you know what you're getting with HBO. You get everything. And Jerry West is furious. I'm like, he's going to sue the showmaker, going to sue the artist, uh, the author of the book it's based on. Like, he is really, really upset, which makes me think uh, that's what Jerry West was like. I, I don't think this is a defamation thing like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not happy. Magic Johnson's not happy. Magic Johnson has like set up to release a different like documentary series like in response to this, which makes me think a lot of the things being said are kind of on the money and they just don't like that. It's being put out there. I mean, who knows? But uh, with them being so vocal about it, it's definitely hit a chord. And I, I was like, that. that's kind of interesting. Uh because they don't they don't paint all these guys in the best light. And the Showtime Lakers, for a generation of sports fans, that's like they're heroes. And so it, it's kind of odd, it's different. Whereas a documentary, most of the time it's it's a lot of positive lights. Like there's a lot of things that can be said about those bulls from the nineties, but at the end of the day, the last dance painted them in a pretty good light. Like nobody was walking out and being like, Oh, I don't like Michael Jordan. Everybody was like, Michael Jordan's the best basketball player ever. Oh my god, why I wish I could have watched the nineties Bulls. Whereas the the Showtime Lakers. People were like, okay, Magic Johnson. He's flawed, which everybody knows Magic's flawed. But now it's kind of you're getting visual aid, and I think that's really interesting. I, I think it's for me at least with winning time. I knew quite a bit more about the '90s Bulls going into the Last Dance. I, I like because that's just been hammered into like young basketball fans' heads. Like you have to know about Michael Jordan. You have to know about the Bulls, how dominant they were. The Showtime Lakers. It's just kind of like, yeah, Magic was really good and they won a lot of games, and they had Kareem, and they had all these stars, and you, you just knew they had a lot of fun, and that was kind of, it's kind of skimmed over, at least for me anyways, that's how it felt, and it's like, you got that, and then the bad boys happened, and then Michael Jordan, and then Kobe came along, and then LeBron came along, and then we're here now, and getting this in-depth look, I mean, we're like, I think, I think it's episode nine comes out this Sunday, and I mean, they've played like four games on like in actually in the show, I think they're like just past the all-star break. It's so, like they've taken time to really dive into this first season of magic Johnson. And obviously if you're a basketball fan, you know, what's coming with him, all the, the drama of that uh, rookie playoff run for magic Johnson. It's going to be awesome to see f- unfold. And they've re- I think they've done a really good job developing the rivalry between him and Larry bird and making it like, I feel like it's always been presented to me anyways, in my young life, is like a friendly rivalry. Like, it's Larry and Magic. Winning time is not depicted like that. It's like these guys do not like each other, and they want you to know that. And I I was like, okay, this is different. I like this. They're they're not afraid to attack subjects that are are kind of touchy, and I, I think that's good. And it's like maybe a documentary wouldn't dive in as much on that. I don't know. It, this is a question that I don't know how to answer and it's because it is so opinionated because I love documentaries so much they I think I'd take a documentary over most movies most days because I just I think they're fascinating especially if I haven't seen it to learn new things about something I care about like professional basketball or football or baseball or whatever but I'm so invested in this winning time show because I don't know what's gonna happen next and if you've seen the show there's things that happen that are like little details and it's like whoa where did that come from? And I'm like, this is like, an, like it's a TV show. like It's awesome. I, I've just had a blast watching it. Uh, I, I'd like to see this inspire like other iterations. Like you mentioned the bad boys. If they did something like this for the bad boys, that would be awesome just to see that dramatized. Or could you imagine they did a mini series about the 2000, is it the one Sacramento Kings or 2002 Sacramento Kings? The team that got screwed in the playoffs by the refs, that would be fascinating. I I think that this is a big, like, how they finish this season and the reception from critics and fans and everything else, it's big for the future of sports and entertainment, whether everything's going to be a documentary or we go in this route where we get these mini series, And I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of, like, recreating a sports story in a movie. I don't think it always correlates so much because there's just so much where, like, in a miniseries, you can get a lot of it out there, a lot of the details. And I don't know, Winning Time has done such a good job. I I can't give it enough praise. I love it so much. I know Jerry West is furious about his portrayal. The Jerry West character has become, like, my favorite TV character ever. I mean, I just love it. He's so miserable, and he's so funny. I uh, I can't remember who plays. It's Jason Clark, I believe, is the actor that plays him. He's done a phenomenal job. John C. Riley, who everybody knows from, like, uh Step brothers and comedies and stuff like that plays Jerry bus does a phenomenal job as the leading man in the show. He has funny moments Has serious moments. It's I can't praise it enough. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Cause I it's so, so good. But I mean, it's like you said, it's kind of your top, cup of tea of the day. It's like, what, what do you want? Do you want to be entertained? Do you want to learn? And with, with documentaries, you can be entertained. That's kind of the appeal of a lot of them. You're learning You're being entertained. You're kind of on the edge of your seat. Our, our friend Kobe Marcio suggested a documentary last week, and I was hooked for three hours watching it. So, I mean, it's it's kind of your cup of tea of the day, and I think it, a lot of it depends on the subject matter. So I think a documentary on the Showtime Lakers would be fascinating, but seeing all this dramatized, seeing all the things they did dramatic, it's something else. I love it. I I just – getting more sports in different forms is the best. Like, I watched episode – I think it was episode eight. I don't know the exact number we're on right now. I watched it over Suns Pelicans last Sunday night. because so I was like, whatever, like I can watch the next game. I'm watching the Lakers show. Like that's, that's how I've been referring to it with my friends. I'm watching the Lakers show. It's winning time. It's, I don't know. It's becoming a vent in my life that like it's filling the whole, like game of Thrones left when it, when it went off HBO. Now I've got winning time. It's awesome. I can't recommend it enough.
0: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head too. It's all about the subject matter. Cause I think, a mini obviously a mini series about the Showtime Lakers kind of just jumps off the page for everyone that you don't even need to know like the background of like the drama behind the Showtime Lakers you just know okay that's a that's magic that's Kareem that there's a lot of stories there already uh so I think that makes a lot of sense I I'm afraid of people trying because it's also HBO HBO does a great job doing these types of things I'm afraid of like a a netflix or an amazon video trying the same thing and just absolutely falling on their face with like a just a story that just doesn't need to be told so i I think you gotta pick the right stories you gotta have the right teams and you gotta have the right you know over or behind these teams part of it the reason that it works is because the showtime lakers like you said it's a little bit shrouded in in the past and you can kind of get away with some of the the little bit of the logistical stuff or, or bending the truth a little bit but uh yeah i think Definitely, like I said, it's just another medium, another way to consume sports. And I I love every every second of it. So uh, moving on to my question uh, back to it kind of relates to the the, uh, Showtime Lakers, because they were kind of the first super team, if you want to call them that uh, with Kareem and Magic. Uh, But as we go into modern NBA, we've had a lot of talk about super teams for the past decade or so. And now this season, the Bucs are the defending champs. LeBron's Lakers did not make the playoffs, and now KD and Kyrie's Nets got swept by the 76ers. My question is, are super teams dead in the NBA?
1: I don't think so. And my reason is I think we're at a level now where we don't have many super teams at the moment. I don't think the Nets were a super team, especially with Ben Simmons not out there. Like Kevin Durant and Kyrie are awesome. Do not get me wrong. They're incredible. But when you look at who they're matched up with with the Celtics, I mean, if you threw the Celtics back in like the 2005 NBA, they'd be like, that's a super team. I really think they would because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both stars. It's just, I had this conversation with one of my friends. The NBA is at a point now, there's so many good players. It's, I, I, it's a point where athletes in America and around the world, they're, they're, it's getting to a point where basketball is the preferred sport and we're getting so many good players. We're we're at a point where the worst teams in the league, like Houston, they have a guy like Jalen Green, who is like no doubt going to be a future star. Cade Cunningham in Detroit looks like a future star. Toronto was awful last year. You throw in a guy, the rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, and all of a sudden they're playing tonight. You'll know when you're listening to this tomorrow, they might be forcing a game seven against the Philadelphia 76ers, who a lot of people consider a super team. It's because there, there's so many good players in the league now. And we've got to a point where basketball is so specialized. These guys play so much of it throughout their life that they – I mean, you can have a guy that's undrafted like Fred Van Vliet lead a team and not worry about it. And you've got guys like Pascal Siakam who are late first-round picks. And they're – I mean, they've got the Sixers on the ropes and with Embiid Hurt and James Harden being James Harden and doing weird things in the playoffs, they're, I mean, it's its really odd to see. And I think rather than they're not being super teams, I think the the league's at a point where it's really hard to have a true super team, where I don't think the Lakers were a super team. They just had two really good players. The, the Nets, I, if Ben Simmons might have been on the floor and they had the chemistry all year, they might have been a super team. They, they very well could have been. But he wasn't. And they had the weird chemistry. Kyrie was a part-time player. Like it was, all that stuff was weird. They were, they never had the chemistry and it was just, I, I had faith in her. I'm not going to say I wouldn't. That would be revisionist history. I thought the Nets were going to be in the finals. You can go listen to the round table from two weeks ago. I said it would probably be Nets uh, warriors, but that, that was, that was just thinking in the moment, not really looking into it. Cause the Nets, they never had that chemistry The They traded, half of their role players to Philadelphia to get a guy that never played and <laughs> Ben Simmons. It was idiotic. Uh, I mean, they hoped that it would work out and Ben Simmons would play it and they'd win a championship, but it just didn't, and it sucks. Um, and L.A., we freaked out last summer when they got Russell Westbrook. That was a bad move. And, again, this is revisionist history. That that was – I don't think that ever would have worked. It that's, that's a weird move for an aging LeBron – And Anthony Davis that in this day and time doesn't want to play a ton of basketball. It seems like, it seems like he's got a championship and he wants to hang up the boots. Um, But yeah, that it's, I don't think there's one true super team where like the Lakers weren't the one true super team in the league. The Nets weren't the one true super team in the league where like in 2011, when you had the heat that like they were, everyone saw that, like they were the super team and they're gun-informed. I don't think it's that way anymore because there's just so much talent everywhere. Like, Miami is the only team without, like, a That's true it. bona fide, like, top ten player left in the playoffs, I guess. Because I, I think you could argue with Minnesota. Like, Cat and Anthony Edwards, like, they're getting to the point where you can be like, okay, I can make an argument for, like, top 15. Not top ten. Uh, top top tens top hefty. Uh, but, like, Jimmy, I, I think Cat and Anthony Edwards – are probably above Jimmy Butler at this point. And that might just be not paying attention to the heat. I'll put my hand up and admit that. But I've been watching a lot of Cat and Anthony Edwards. They're incredible. And Anthony Edwards is 20 years old. Anthony Edwards won't be allowed in a bar until August. That's crazy. He is a puppy. And he's doing these things in his first playoff series. I just There's just so much talent. And I think we're going to get to a point where we notice that we don't see these super teams because a lot of teams are just super teams because there's, there's just so much talent. Like if the Grizzlies keep their core together and they wouldn't have to add anyone and they could be a super team in a couple of years, just because they just have good basketball players. I think that's, it's an interesting spot NBA's in where you can just have guys on your team that are all good rather than two good players. Like I think it's more valuable to have like what the Warriors have going where they obviously have really good players. They have Steph and Clay and Draymond, but you got guys like Jordan Poole, Who's not like coming into the season. They're not like, okay, Jordan Poole, He's a superstar. That's our fourth star Jordan Poole. No, that that's just a guy in the roster that stepped up in a huge way. They got guys like Jonathan Kaminga. They got guys uh, that just make big plays all around the court. Andre Iguodala. I think that is going to be more uh, valuable in the future of the NBA. And we see it now. Like what, with, the Bucks did last year, what the Suns have done. The depth has become more important than having two superstars, three superstars. But who knows? That, that might all change when, who knows, some of these young guys, Jalen Green, Anthony Edwards, and Cade Cunningham team up in Detroit. And it's like, okay, three players can't win a championship. Super teams are back. This is the worst. But, yeah, I don't know. I think we're getting a lot more parody, and that's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I think he. I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. But I think the traditional – Go acquire top two top ten talent, and then just let everything else figure itself out later. I think that's dead. I think that's the type of super team that's dead. the kind of LeBron way of the of forming your team go just grab the best player in the league, grab another really good player, and then a bunch of minimum con- role players on minimum contracts. It just doesn't work anymore I've said it countless times as the Lakers season was ending. that roster stunk outside of their top three and, and you can include Russell because Russell Westbrook did not play well, but he's still way better than the guys that they had on that floor at the end of the season. It was, I mean, it was like Stanley Johnson, Avery Bradley. It was not a good team. Uh, And that's the problem with constructing a team like that. The the Lakers and the Nets are a really good uh, example of why you can't do that is because, you know, Ben Simmons never played. So you, you, you spent so much of your capital on one player who didn't play because he was hurt and, you know, whatever Ben Simmons is going through. And, but the Lakers were the same way with Anthony Davis. I mean, you spent so much building around LeBron and Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis played like half the games and you can't, you just can't do that anymore. When your role players are minimum contract type of guys, Uh, you have to go around about it the way Phoenix has, because Phoenix is in a much different situation with their best player hurt, I mean Devin Booker is their best player, and he's hurt right now. But he is—they are in a much different situation because you know they've built their team. That team is so deep in terms of how many good players they have that they can survive without Devin Booker for a little bit. There's no way the Lakers could survive without LeBron or AD for an extended period of time. There's no way the nets were going to survive without Kyrie or KD for an extended period of time. We just knew that. And that's just the way of the past nowadays. We can't have teams, cannot be built that way because you're, you're going to waste an entire season if someone gets hurt and guys get hurt. It's just a a, a fact of sports. Guys are going to get hurt. Uh, LeBron got hurt for the first time this year. I mean, it's, it's, guys are going to be injured and it's not going to be the same way so I think building a super team the way that it's been done before is dead it also just shows you how good those teams were that did it that way I mean people overlook how good the 2011 heat were because kind of like the the Chris and D-Wade how they aged out of the league kind of put a sour note on what they were at that when D-Wade And Chris Bosch teamed up with LeBron Miami. D Wade was either the best two guard in the league or the second best two guard next to Kobe. I mean, there is, it was one and one a, and then Chris Bosch was arguably the best big man in the league at the time, regardless of position, power forward or center. He was very, very good. And people don't remember that because he was in Toronto at the time. Uh, But then, I mean, the, the Warriors are the same way. I mean, like you added KD to a team that right now without KD is advancing in the playoffs. I mean, that's, it's basically the same team. I mean, obviously they've done a lot of stuff, but uh, you're looking at two very good, well-constructed super teams. They were not your run of the mill. Let's just go grab the two best players in the league that they, they were very well constructed down to the point where the, the heat had Ray Allen, one of the best shooters of all time as one of their minimum contract guys. That's the, that's where we're at, where we're not, you're not going to find guys like that anymore who want to just go win a championship, be a minimum contract guy and be LeBron's sidekick or Katie's sidekick or whatever it may be. You got to build your team, the, just the general way teams have been doing it. And I think teams like, like you said, Memphis, I like the way Detroit's done it. Phoenix is kind of like the pinnacle of what we're looking at now. That's what a super team looks like now, where it's like you've built so much of your team. You've drafted DeAndre Ayton, you've drafted Devin Booker, that you just add a guy like CP3, who was, you know, top 15, top 20 in the league, definitely an aging star, but made your team a super team just because you had so many good players already. And that's, I think that's the the blueprint that teams are going to go by for the, for the future. You've got to build your team first, then go acquire the, the superstars that make you a super team. Um, and then it's it's way easier to do it that way. Then you go find a good fit. Then you go find a guy like Chris Paul, who's looking for a team, uh, maybe signs for a little bit less to go lead a good team like that. Uh, that makes more sense to me than just, hey, we're going to go buy Kevin Durant off the free agent market and let's just go see what happens afterwards. It's just, I, I don't think... Uh, it's gonna work out that way anymore. It just shows you how good those teams were that did it that way, and you know where we are in the NBA nowadays.
1: Yeah, I think free agents are gonna notice that too. Where they're gonna they're they're gonna stop thinking, okay, I can hit up I can hit up Kyrie, and we're gonna go to Brooklyn, and everything's gonna be hunky dory. We're gonna win a championship. They're gonna do kind of like what Demar Rosen did, where he saw Chicago's got a good thing going. Hey, why don't I go there and help them become? better. And they have a good unit around me. We could win some basketball games. Obviously, it didn't pan out like they wanted to. But Lonzo Ball was also hurt. They were a really good team with Lonzo Ball on the basketball court. That uh, Chicago-Milwaukee series might have been a lot different. I, I think that might be kind of the the run-of-the-mill way things go now instead of oh, let's go form a super team in Brooklyn or Miami or the big market. Well, Chicago's a huge market, but <laughs> you get my point. Uh, what Chris Paul did, what DeMar DeRozan did, I feel like Good players are gonna start seeing that they're like, okay, let's go do that. That might be the solution to all this. Just it might be the new wave of super teams where it's like a lot of good players around a better player. I I would like that a lot more, and it might be why we have a lot more parity now, which I'm all for.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I'm like on the on the wave of the same way that you are. Like I'm looking at. You know how does Detroit become a super team? And it's like you're, you're they're only a couple moves away. I mean, there I drafted Cade Cunningham. There's piece number one. You're gonna have a a lottery pick next year. You might get like a a Bankero or a Jabari Smith out of Auburn and be a, you know, that's a great number two piece. Now all you're doing is looking for a third piece, and there, all of a sudden, you got a super team. So that's that's the way I think that you know just the future of the NBA will be and how these teams are formed. It's it, less of like a like a constructed thing and more of a a built thing you know uh, over time so all right awesome stuff there as always love the question answer stuff moving on to this week in sports we've been churning through news week by week and now have a chance to just give you an update on where our favorite teams are at as we head into may so dylan throw it to you what's up with your teams
1: how about the memphis grizzlies It's game day in Minnesota, game six. The Grizzlies have a 3-2 lead. And how did the Grizzlies have a 3-2 lead? Because they went to Memphis on Tuesday night. And after an awful game four in Minnesota, which I watched half asleep on an apartment couch in Cincinnati, where I was like, these referees are terrible, but whatever. It's going to be tied. They'll go back to Memphis. Memphis wins in Memphis. That's what happens. The last time they played there, they won by a million points. I was like, it's all good. The boogeyman, Patrick Beverly's not going to bother you in Memphis. Everything, no worries. And it got to a great start. 12-3 run to start the game. I was like, oh, my goodness, the Memphis Grizzlies, NBA championship, back on the table. How about that? And then Minnesota remembered, oh, yeah, Anthony Edwards, he's really good. They started giving him the ball. They were like, Carl Anthony Towns, he's really good. Start giving him the ball. And when they're making shots – the Timberwolves are terrifying. <clears throat> no one wants to see the Timberwolves when Ant and Cat are doing the things they do. And they've been doing it all series to the Grizzlies. And it was really bad. Like around the third quarter, I was like, man, I want to turn this game off. I don't want to watch it. Jaw was playing very poor. I was like, is Jaw hurt? I don't know what's going on. And then Ja decided to be a silly goose. And it was like the dunk, which we've all seen by now, it's got – 72 billion views on Twitter, and a 1,000 trillion on Facebook. He just like decides to murder Malik Beasley alive on TNT. And it gave a spark to the Grizzlies. It gave a spark to Ja, who was not playing well. He finished that dunk. And in the fourth quarter, scored 18 points, including the last 13 points of the game for the Memphis Grizzlies, including the go-ahead three, which – Ja made a three. Who would have thought he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn before that and then nailed a go-ahead three with a minute left. Ant tied it, and he said, okay, and hit an insane circus layup with one second left over Jared Vanderbilt, who's a very good defender, to secure the game. I like The crazy thing about that was Ja got in that zone, and I've seen him do it so many times. When he put up that layup, and it was a bad shot, honestly. That's a tough layup. I was like, oh, that's going in. It's Ja, he's in the zone, that, that's money. The Grizzlies won, and it just went in. That's just what he does. It's amazing to watch. I, watching Ja Morant play basketball for the past five years has been so much fun, and I just hope he stays healthy. That, that's all I ask for. The basketball gods, if you were listening, just keep Ja healthy because he is so much fun to watch basketball. I'm so excited for the game tonight. I, I honestly kind of want Minnesota to win. Cause I want game seven game sevens are just something else. I know that's stupid cause I want Memphis to move on, but I, I game sevens are fun and a game seven in Memphis would be chaos. Cause at this point, Minnesota and Memphis are rivals though. These teams hate each other. I like before this series started, i said these teams don't like each other. They really don't like each other at this point. Desmond Baines pushing Chris Finch, like things are getting crazy. Um, so, Game 7, I'd be all for it. I think this is the start of a really good rivalry in the NBA, which is exciting. And it's going to set up a second-round matchup, hopefully, between the Grizzlies and the Warriors, which is already a really good low-key rivalry that's, like, not on the national stage. But those fan bases, those players don't like each other. So, hopefully, that will all be set up by the next time we talk. The St. Louis Cardinals are good. I'll... I'll uh, I'll transition from one really good team that's in the playoffs to another really good team. The Cardinals, I think, are going to be really, really good. Like they're nine and seven right now, number two in the NL Central, because they just had to play the best team in baseball, the New York Mets, in a three game series. The, the Mets are awesome. I, I wasn't completely sold on them when I saw the, the standings before the series. They're good. They're really, really good. That lineup's solid. Uh, the Cardinals should have beat them 2 1 in the series. They just they absolutely choked in game one, but, hey, it happens. It's, it's early in the season. Cardinals, when they, get, when they get Jack Flaherty and Alex Reyes back, when they trade Paul DeYoung for a pitcher and they call up Nor- Nolan Gorman, that's the best team in the NL Central. That's one of the best teams in the NL. They're so good. Nolan Arenado, I have to give Nolan Arenado a shout-out because Nolan Arenado has quickly become one of my favorite Cardinals of all time, and that's hard to do because I've seen some really good Cardinals that are going to be all-timers in my lifetime. And what he's been able to do in his season and a few games so far in St. Louis is become a true superstar, which the Cardinals really haven't had since Pooh Holst in 2011. I went out of my way last Friday and bought a Nolan Arenado jersey, which is not cheap. I found that out very quickly. MLB jerseys are expensive. And I was like, you know what? He deserves it. He deserves to be in my jersey collection. Nolan Arenado is awesome. And I think Arenado, if he keeps it up, is going to be an MVP candidate this year. I think he's he's on that track. He's playing pissed off, which is fun. And if you saw the brawl that happened on Wednesday, he's the man. They threw high and inside, and in Arenado. He said, "I bet." Let us see what you're about. And the whole, the two teams got in the brawl, and it was it was very cool. Not going to condone fighting, but it was it was pretty cool. Uh, and then the Titans. There's so many big things happening with my teams right now. And then you got the Titans. I love the pick they made last night in the first round of the NFL draft. And I, I would, I want us to keep this all in. I don't want to edit it. Cause we're not going to edit it late uh, Thursday night, man. I can't believe they went with that offensive guard. That was awesome. Chris. Olave's is a Titan. How about that? Desmond Ritter, Tennessee Titan. That's the one I really want. I really want them to go quarterback. I think it would be chaos. It would, it would tear the fan base apart because the fun thing about the Titans fan base is half of them still think Marcus Mariota should be the quarterback. A fourth of them think Ryan Tannehill is the best quarterback in the NFL. And then the other fourth think that the Titans should trade Tannehill on the 26th pick to draft Malik Willis. So it's just chaos in the Titans fan base. So I kind of want them to draft a quarterback. And I think Desmond Ritter would be a fun one to pick because I don't think he's ready to take over the starting reigns of an NFL team. So they make, like, Hey, we're we're gonna have we're gonna gloom it, and then halfway through the year, after Tannehill has a three pick day against like the Texans, they're gonna be like, start Ritter, start Ritter, and it's just gonna be chaos. And I'm all about it. And I say all that, and the Titans are gonna pick a guy that tore his ACL last year, and he'll sit on the bench for a year, just like Desmond Ritter would have. So yeah, I the, I'm so excited. I'm very happy with who who we selected last night. I can't believe we got him. He's a stud. He's gonna be a future. Hall of Famer for the Titans, love that guy. Already have his jersey on the way in the mail. Um, yeah, lots of fun stuff happening with the Titans, the Grizzlies, and the Cardinals. The Vols, I'm not going to go on a big spiel about the Vols because I can't do it for my mental health. I, I talk, me and my one of my really close, my best friend, we we talk about weekly about the Vols, and we've talked ourselves into an 11-1 season, and it's getting bad. I got to calm myself down. I, <laughs> Hinden Hooker should be a preseason Heisman guy, but I'm not going to talk about the balls. We'll talk about them much later when I get realistic. I I need some bad news to come out about Tennessee because right now it's just all good news. Like getting five-star quarterbacks, getting good recruits, have like the number three class in the country. I need bad news. Like ESPN ranked them 22nd preseason. Got to stop that. Give me some bad news. I, I need bad news about Tennessee. But yeah. Lots of good stuff happening, which is very weird. I'm used to bad stuff with my teams.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to follow that up with some not great stuff coming from most of my teams. Uh, So starting with the Tigers, uh, if you listen to our MLB preview, I was very high on the Tigers coming into the season. And so far, it has not turned out to be a great pick on my side. The Tigers have not been off to a great start, can't seem to get out of their own way. And you guys probably all saw that kind of come to a crescendo Uh, a couple nights ago in Minnesota when we had multiple chances to get out of a four to out of a game in Minnesota with a four to three win all of a sudden to just throw the ball into left field and give up a five to four loss kind of just what has happened with the Tigers this year we can't seem to get out of our own way uh and I don't want to you know, overreact too much. Uh, I feel like baseball fans kind of usually do that at the beginning of the year, especially to poor individual stats. But it always seems like when the Tigers start slow, you go onto their you know, their statistics and they've got like four or five guys, not just like rookies or guys that you're kind of breaking in, but four or five key guys that are batting below 200 and just not performing and just slow as slow can be. And I mean, it's not like, like Torkelson's above 200 right now. It's guys like Candelario and Scope and Akil Badu, like guys that we expect to be very big providers in our lineup. They're just not ready to go. And like, as I know you didn't have spring training and it's, it's a different season. You're a professional baseball player. You need to be ready to go. And luckily the AL central is looking awful as a whole we're only three and a half games back as a team that's well below 500 already in the season so uh, we could be in a much worse spot than we are right now uh but with the injuries to the rotation that we've got mean Mize. i don't know he sounds like he almost blew his arm up when had to come out manning's hurt i mean we've got we've got one key spot one bright spot which is our bullpen right now has been the best in the american league that doesn't help when you've got key guys in your batting lineup, not performing, and then really just an up in the air, starting rotation with all the injuries. So uh, it's not a great start to the season for the Tigers. Luckily, like I said, the AL central has not looked great. So it doesn't mean we're out of it by any means yet, but uh, definitely. uh, If you were picking riding high on the Tigers, based on what I said, coming into the season, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I was a little bit over the top with them, but uh, I still think near the end of the season, they'll be, you know, in that two or three spot in the AL Central. Once, once if they're at full strength, we'll see what happens with Casey Mize and all that. Um, you guys will know more about the Lions than I do. Hopefully with the news and the way that it's going, Dylan was right. And Trayvon Walker's going number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Aiden Hutchinson falls into our lap at number two overall. If that happened, I'm happy. If that, if that happened and we didn't take him, I think that's going to be the bigger thing. And that will be something I'd have to react to next week. If, if Aiden Hutchinson fell to number two and we still didn't take him, that would be probably the biggest concern right now for what's going on. I think it's pretty locked in that we'll end up getting Aiden at number two, which is going to be great. I think uh, like you, like you said, with Nolan Arenado, I got to get an Aiden Hutchinson Lions jersey right away, because I think that's just such a perfect fit. Uh, And he's a, I mean, I think, People have kind of worn out of Aiden Hutchinson because he's been the number one guy for so long. You kind of people are looking for reasons to take him off of that pedestal. He's great. I've seen him play. I've seen him do what he does. All you have to do is go back and look at that Ohio State tape. I mean, he had three sacks against two of the best offensive tackles in the nation last year. The dude was has a motor, and the dude is just one of those pass rushers that you don't come around all all the time he just finds his way to the quarterback whether it's by blowing over dudes or making or being faster than the tackle he does everything he's got everything for you so uh if the Lions got him I'm happy and then I think we're both looking for Desmond Ritter near the end of the first round because I'm hoping that you know a couple other quarterbacks go off the board and the Lions are sitting there at 32 with Desmond Ritter on the board and that could be your second guy. That could be your next year or your replacement to Jared Goff. Uh, I think same way, you know, he's not ready to go right away, but uh, he definitely, he definitely has the, the potential, I think a very high ceiling for a guy like that. And I think overlooked for, I mean, I, I I know Malik Willis is blowing people's minds with the, the the workout that he had. Uh, I know people have been high on Kenny Pickett all year and we were high on Kenny Pickett during the, the, during the college football season. But Desmond Ritter was one of the best players on a playoff team. Uh, He was one of the very – the sole reasons that Cincinnati team was so good on offense was because Desmond Ritter was very, very good quarterback. So I think whatever NFL team ends up with Desmond Ritter is going to be happy. Uh, And then moving on to Michigan, there's not much to talk about with on the football side. We'll like, like you said, we can get into that later, but this week we did get some news in terms of the NBA draft Hunter Dickinson's announced, announced his decision to return Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston, both testing the NBA waters. And I think, that's going to be really interesting to watch what happens with those two because Michigan's been pretty active in the transfer portal too. The Terrence Shannon Jr. from Texas Tech is pretty much slated to be going to Michigan. It's almost a done deal. But then there's also the the rumors surrounding Amani Bates from Memphis and that Juwan Howard has reached out to him. Uh, as I'm very interested to see how that happens because if Diabate and Houston both return, we're out of scholarships. We're maxed out on scholarships, so we couldn't we'd have to find someone else to cut uh, if we were going to go after these guys. And I think Terrence Shannon, I think is more of a done deal than Amani Bates. I think as soon as that spot opens up, you're going to hear that Terrence Shannon commits to Michigan, but how sweet it would be for Michigan fans to land Amani Bates. If the, if the cycle of Amani Bates is committing to MSU decommitting and then all of a sudden ending up in ann arbor when he was supposed to because he reclassified last year he's he's only 18 years old right now he's supposed to be a freshman this year and he ends up in ann arbor that would just be so sweet that would be such a fun like completion to that cycle and he's talented i know a lot of people are down on him because of what happened in memphis dude's got loads of talent i mean he was you do not get LeBron comparisons for no reason there's a reason Amani Bates was as good as he was and he's going to be very very good in the right situation I just don't think Memphis was the right situation for him I think Memphis has kind of got some baggage right now I think we're going to learn more about what happened in Memphis uh, as the years go on but uh, I think put Amani Bates in the right system and a lot of places would be the right system for him and he's going to be just as good as we thought he was going to be, so uh, I'm really high. I'm really interested to see how that transfer portal stuff uh, plays out. Uh, the college basketball transfer portal is just loaded. It's it's almost another recruiting process at this point.
1: I forgot to talk about the Murray State Racers. You mentioned the transfer portal three weeks ago. Murray State didn't have a team. We had Rod Thomas, the walk on point guard, and that was it. And I think of as of right now. Uh, Juice Hill went to LSU, Trey Hannibal went to LSU, and Coach McMahon's obviously gone to LSU. Tevin Brown has gone pro, signed an agent. KJ Williams has gone pro, did not sign an agent, but also entered the transfer portal. So I assume KJ's going to LSU as well. Uh, I think right now Murray has the two freshmen committed, Justin Morgan and Braxton uh, Stutter, I believe. And then we added a few transfer portal guys. But yeah, the transfer portal, you started to get into it. It's going to add so many interesting, like, wrinkles. Like, Murray State's going to have a whole new team. Like, they're going to have two guys returning from a team that had one of their best seasons ever, and it was with a lot of young guys on the roster. So, it's exciting. It's a new coach. Like, people have asked me, like, what do you think about Murray next year? I have no clue who's on the roster. Like, it could be anyone. Like, it could be freshmen leading the way. It could be guys from that were seniors at other schools coming in. Like, there's no telling. It's really, really exciting. And the, it's the different aspects of like looking at like Michigan and a Murray State, like how they attack the transfer portal or Michigan's going over it after a guy like Amani Bates or Terrence Shannon Jr. Who are superstars. Like Obviously Amani Bates, like you said, all the stuff at Michigan or in Memphis. Uh, I, I watched him play against Murray State, which obviously it's not the competition that you're going to see in the big 10. But I mean, KJ Williams, hypothetically, that's a pro power forward that Amani Bates is going against. Amani Bates dominated I was terrified when Amani Bates was in the game. It was just he was a 17-year-old kid picking up fouls against KJ, who had played like 200 games at that point of college basketball. So it's just – it's so different. Amani Bates should have been a senior in high school. There's there's a lot of things to see with him. I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens with Amani. Um, and Michigan would be a good fit. Obviously, Jawan is a good coach. He's done good things with the guys there at Michigan. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. is a guy that I've been high on for a long time. I did not know that he was connected to Michigan. That's exciting for you guys. Um, but yeah, the transfer portal is awesome. It sucks, but it's awesome. It's it's it hasn't killed Murray State. I think Murray State's fine. A lot of Murray State fans are really upset, but it's gonna be high. I, I think Murray's gonna add some really interesting pieces. Murray's a very attractive mid-major program, and guys that have played at other schools are gonna see like, oh, I can go play for Steve Prome, who helped put Isaiah Cannon in the NBA, campaign in the NBA, Tyrese Halliburton, Monte Morris. Like, he's a guy that just puts point guards in the league, and Murray State puts point guards in the league, like. Murray's going to have a guy in the NBA this year. Tevin Brown's going to get drafted. Like there's so many good things about the program. Like Murray will be fine programs like Murray, Michigan, the programs that have winning cultures, the transfer pearl is not going to kill. It's only going to help. They're going to get guys from programs that are not winning cultures. That's what's going to hurt. It's going to be harder for young coaches to build programs up. They're going to have to use their charisma and just real instincts to get guys, which more power to them. That's it's really going to weed out guys and you're going to see the great coaches, the greatness in people uh and how they build programs where there's not really a program there to begin with. So it's going to be interesting to see all of that play out.
0: Yeah, it's I mean it's just added another wrinkle to this whole thing. It's almost like I said, it's another recruiting process in itself. So uh a lot of fun to watch out for. Uh it's picks time. One NBA matchup for us obviously. Dylan's Memphis Grizzlies going up against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but we're also going to be picking uh, my Tigers versus the Dodgers in the three game series and the Cardinals and the D-backs in a series as well out in Arizona. So, or actually that's in St. Louis, that's at Bush stadium. So uh, we'll start in the NBA though. Your Grizzlies looking to close things out on Friday against the T-Wolves in Minnesota. What do you like
1: there, Dylan? So normally if it was this situation with me being super, uh, super, super, superstitious, I would be like, okay, I'm going T Wolves. I, I I just want to be like, okay, it's the Dylan curse on the T Wolves. But I refuse to pick the T Wolves. I don't like the T Wolves. The T Wolves have rubbed me the wrong way this whole series. I like during the regular season, even like I was like, man, like these guys are really getting after it. I mean, it's a Pat Bev led team. That's what they do. And um, like we talked about earlier in the year, like there's guys on this team I really like. I really really like Anthony Edwards. I really like Carl Anthony Towns. Jay McDaniels is awesome. He He's done really good things all series and doesn't get any shine. But I can't I can't pick them. I just can't. They've rubbed me the wrong way. They, they just give me a bad taste. I, I don't know. Um, I think this is the start of a really good rivalry, like I said. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Memphis. I think both of us picked Memphis in six to begin with. So it's kind of poetic that this is where it's coming to. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go Memphis and six closing it out on the road. That fits this Memphis team so well. They're gonna get to go in there and talk so much crap if they if they do this in Minnesota with Cat earlier in the series, saying oh we're in Minnesota now. Be a very poetic ending to the series. So yeah, I'm gonna go Memphis.
0: I got the T wolves. I only from the perspective that I want a Game Seven in this one. I think this has been one of the more entertaining series uh, of the. Of all the series, I think it's been a very entertaining first round. But I think, like you said, a game seven of this series would be a lot of fun. I think Memphis kind of found that right at the end of that game, uh, game five. It, feel, it felt like they kind of felt their, their rhythm. Like that was what we got to turn, turn to Ja in the big moments. But we've got other guys that can step up in, in in big moments as well. So I I feel like the momentum that Memphis is riding probably is a better bet. But I, I'm just picking the T-Wolves just because I, I want that game seven. I think it would be a lot of fun to see that game seven in Memphis. Uh, so we'll move on. Detroit is going out west to play the Dodgers. Tough series for the Tigers in a in a tough spot. Uh, who do you like in that one? Uh,
1: I'm going to go with the L.A. Dodgers uh, because I know the Dodgers are a super team. We talked about super teams in the NBA earlier. Uh, super teams are for sure alive in the MLB. And there's one in L.A. and the Tigers are playing them this weekend. And I don't know if I would pick against the Dodgers all year in this series. I'm going with the L.A. Dodgers.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to go out with Detroit in this one. I think the Dodgers I, – I didn't even look up the matchups because ter- usually at these I'll look up the pitching matchups, try to see kind of like maybe there's a game you can steal. There is no matchup that the Tigers have an advantage over the Dodgers in. So I'll take the Dodgers. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Finally, St. Louis and Arizona in a three-game series at Bush this weekend. What do you like?
1: It's the St. Louis Cardinals, of course. Wainwright's got a game this weekend, I believe. Um, it's uh, it would be Dakota Hudson gets the start tonight or last night if you're listening on Friday, uh, against the Diamondbacks in the first game on Thursday night. I, I think the Cardinals are just better. I think they got back to their winning ways on uh, Wednesday. Time traveling right now. (laughs) Two days ago on Wednesday, they got back to the winning ways with a ten to five win over the Mets. I think the Cardinals are just better than Diamondbacks. I think Diamondbacks have talent, but they're not like hopeless. But I just, it feels like the Cardinals beat the Diamondbacks. That's how this these things work. I hope this ages poorly. I want to be on cold old takes express so badly. Yeah, I'm going Cardinals and get the series win over the Diamondbacks.
0: Yeah. I'm echoing you right there. I think the, the Cardinals are just the better team at this point. I think, you know, you're riding the momentum of the the early start that you guys have been on. I think, you know, I like, I like the Diamondbacks. I think they're a young team. They've got some good stuff going on in Arizona, but I, I, I think St. Louis is the team to to beat in that. Right now, they're the team to beat in the NL Central. I did notice that when we got on that you were wearing your Diamondbacks hat, so that's hilarious. Uh, uh, That's going to do it for most of the Dylan and Dylan show. Any final thoughts before we
1: take off, Dylan? Man, what an awesome first round of the NFL draft. How about that? And all that NBA action last night. The Raptors and 76ers. How about that game? That was awesome. I can't believe all that happened in Toronto. That raucous crowd. Jurassic Park lost their mind. All that stuff Doc Rivers said. Joel Embiid said some stuff too. What a night in the world of sports between all the NBA action, the NFL draft round one, all those surprises, the trades, the drama, the social media, man, what a time to be a sports fan. The Cardinals Diamondbacks was one whale of a game. (sighs) Great time to be a sports fan. Can't wait to be back here next week to talk about it all and everything that happened between now and then. Uh, Yeah, that's DH signing out.
0: All right, that is gonna do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan Show. Here is where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan Dylan Show on Instagram and Twitter. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore, on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports, Facebook and LinkedIn and Television Sports and on the web at TVsportsMag.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the NFL draft, and we will see you all next week. Goodbye.